We have our first message by my brother-in-law, Mr. Sean Witt. Six days shall you work. Thank you, Matt. Well, I'm glad that my dream didn't come true that I had this morning. Uh, I had a dream that uh, I was running very late, and I was running across the parking lot coming in with no pants on, and uh, Renee's like, hurry up, you got to get in here. So I'm glad that didn't take place today. <laughs> that wouldn't have been so good. Well, in our current society right now, there seems to be an agenda going on to try to get as many people as possible dependent on our government. And they're trying to say that we don't even have to work anymore. They're providing us health care, and we get this health care, and we don't even have to work, they're saying. Hallelujah, we don't even have to work. They're trying to say that's a good thing. Well, the first part, the first, excuse me, let's back up here a little bit. Let's see what the Bible has to say about the subject of working. Now, the first part of the fourth commandment says, six days you shall work. It does not say work if you feel like it or do a halfway job. Let's all turn now to Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. And we'll see what it says about the fourth commandment. Remember to keep the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day of the Lord is to God, and it sh there shall be no work done. It should not be done by thy daughter, thy maidservant, by their manservant, nor by the cattle, nor any stranger within the gates. For six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and that all is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God works, and he takes it very seriously, and he expects us to work too. He created within us a need to work. And if we do it correctly, we can get great fulfillment from it as well. Now let's take a look at Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 11. And this is the New Living Translation. I like the way that it put it. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler, to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest? Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Now the ants in God's uh, in nature, the way he's created them, they're amazing what they can do. Here's a little fun fact about them. A worker ant can lift an object weighing five to ten times its own body weight, and it can pull more than 20 to 50 times its body weight. So it's pretty amazing what an ant can do. You know, now if God can do that with an ant, what can he do with us? I mean, through him we can do anything. If he's capable of making an ant do this type of thing, we should be able to far exceed our wildest dreams of what we could do with God's help. We have to work. It's part of God's given role. God has given us the example, like what I was saying from nature, of what the ant can do. Now let's check over in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. And then we'll talk a little bit more about why we should work. 
Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is very serious. It is important to God that we take care of the responsibilities he's given us. Sometimes it's overwhelming and scary, but we have to have the faith in God that he will pull us through. We can't do it on our own, but with God's help, we can. He makes all things possible, and he expects us to be working. Let's check now over in Proverbs 27, verse 12. And as you work, you need to be preparing. You need to prepare for the Sabbath coming up so that you don't feel the stress once the Sabbath comes about that you've got all your work accomplished throughout the week. Now, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Working hard and relying on God can help us avoid life's pitfalls. Let us look at the example of Noah. We know he was a hard worker. I would imagine that was one of the qualities that God saw within him. So let's now turn to Genesis 6, verses 8 through 9. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Excuse me, I tried to read it from the back and I lost my place here. So I'm going to get back on where I was reading from here. <laughs> so then we're going to go on to Genesis 6, verses 13 through 22. That's why I didn't see it, because that's the end of it. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, and the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark should be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above the set of the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold myself, I will bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive. With you, and you shall be male and female of the birds after every kind, of the animals after every kind, um, etc. I don't think we need to go through the whole verse, but thus God did according to all God commanded him. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. You know, if God wanted to, he could have just created the ark for him. He could have said, Okay, Noah, here's the ark. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to fill it full of the animals and the food, and you're you're going to be okay. I'm going to pull you through. But um, he chose to put Noah and his family to work. He wanted to have him work, and they worked on the ark for 120 years. And I was going to tease Ken today if he was here, but I was just going to say that they worked on it for 120 years. He just recently retired. He'd have to work another 60 years or so if he was there with Noah. So he'd be Another 60 years from retirement. I don't know how he'd feel about that if he had to work another 60 years. You know, we all have 24 hours in a day. How are you using them? Sleep's important, but 
but so is work. We need to balance it out so that we get plenty of sleep and plenty of work time in as well because um, it's just important that we get a good balance because if you're working too much and you're not sleeping enough, that's going to cause problems. Or if you're sleeping in too much and avoiding your work, if you're overwhelmed and uh, not doing as you should be as far as uh, getting stuff done, that's a problem as well. In society, we're told that we don't have to work hard, that we should just be able to get things that we want now. We don't have to work hard because we deserve it. We can go get that new car, just put it on credit, uh, whatever it takes. Now let's look at Luke 14, verses 28. See what it says about not being wise about going and getting things now before you work hard for them. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay down the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. One of the reasons that God wants us to learn to work is to value it. We're definitely saved by grace, but he doesn't want a bunch of robots in the kingdom either. He wants us to work hard and obtain a great reward. You don't have to go far to see examples of people's lives that are destroyed because they basically have been handed everything to them without having to work for it. You know, God's not going to give us the keys to the Ferrari when we're 16 years old. We're not Justin Bieber or, you know, Lindsay Lohan. It's sad to see, you know, these lives of young people that have been destroyed because of bad choices. And these are our role models in the world, at least for young people they are. And God expects us to, to be more than this. He wants us to work hard and we have his truth, and he expects us to do better. Now let's turn to Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And we're going to read about the parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents, and here I have five talents more. His master said to him, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will also set over much for you. Enter in the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gather where you scattered no seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid the talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested money with the bankers, and at my coming I should receive what was my own with interest. They took, the, they took the talent from him and gave it to him who had ten talents. 
For to everyone who was, will be given, excuse me, everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Every morning when we start out our work week, every day we need to remember who our boss is. Whether we're a homemaker or a blue-collar worker, we own our own business or white-collar worker, it doesn't really matter. Our boss is God. And we need to be checking in with him daily, actively reading the employee manual that he gave us to make sure we're following and understanding our role as a worker. God is the ultimate boss of all things. He's the one that made your job possible. He's the one that gave you that promotion. We need to be doing our best and ask him to help us. Every year we reevaluate ourselves and continue to make our commitment to him. We need to take the time to really look at the manual to see where you're falling short and review over the past year. Let's go now to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. God wants us to examine ourselves daily. The time will come when we'll sit down before God. We'll give an account for the job performance we've done. And he will open up the books, and he will judge us upon how we've performed. Let's go to Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, to expand on this. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From, the presence, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. Excuse me, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. In conclusion, we can see that God wants us to be workers accomplishing his will. And we all want him to say to us, well done, you faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master.